The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code SGPN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. We're also brought to you by the Golf Gambling Podcast Tailor-Made Stealth 2 Driver Giveaway. Head over to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash driver to enter today before the big drawing on April 8th. We're also brought to you by Baseball is fa- Baseball Money is Fake podcast, our fantasy baseball podcast. Blowing, join Blake and Ryan three times a week and get all the player breakdowns and statistical data you need to dominate MLB. Yes, sir. We are back with another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. No me, no the voice, no the guy. It's me, really real villain, real Terrell from Virginia here at your service. And no, do not check your phone. It is a Tuesday. I am on the pod pulling overtime this week, and it's going to be so sweet because we have a 13-game card today in the reboot of the NBA Got my guy Delonte Smith with me as well. Delonte, what's going on? What's up, man? Uh, yeah, ready to get right into it. I'm glad all eyes are on something we specialize in uh, now that college is over. So, be a lot more eyes on on what we do best, which bodes well for us because we've been doing it for the entire season. And you know, I got my guy Scott Studio Rachel. Scott, what's going on? Yeah, looking forward to going through the card. It's always unfortunate when college basketball season ends, but that's kind of the ultimate signal that the playoffs are right around the corner for the NBA, which should be fun. However, the spirit of college is alive and well on this card because there are a lot of double-digit favorites. So we're going to see what happens <laughs> in the actual schedule. Yeah, let's go ahead and break it down. First game on the slate, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers going to play the Orlando Magic in Orlando Cavs are laying five. 222 is the total. That total has come up three points already from 229. Looking here at an injury for, report for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we have Isaac Okoro is out. Dylan Windler is out. But you will see a return of Jared Allen to the lineup, who's been in and out within I slash Cavs. He's had a couple of injuries. He's a little banged up right now. But Jared Allen is back in the lineup. Dean Wade will be replacing the starting lineup. Uh, Isaac Okoro and for the Orlando Magic we have Admiral Schofield questionable Kevon Harris is not on the injury report so pretty much same starting lineup for the Orlando Magic and Fultz Harris well Gary Harris Franz Wagner Paolo Bencaro Wendell Carter Jr. Scott I'm gonna go to you you're laying five with the Cavs on the road Well, that was a rhetorical question because I'm not laying five on the road with the Cavs against Orlando. (laughs) I like Orlando's current form. Uh, They've been playing good basketball. You look at the overall record and you think that they're a below-average team, but that was really the start of the season. They they really got off to a bad start. They've been playing basically above 500 ball for the last couple months, and Uh they've been solid at home. Cleveland, despite all the praises we can have for them, they still have not been a good road team. They are still 18-21 and straight up on the road. These teams played twice this season, but that was back in either October or December, so I'm tossing those out. Both those games were in Cleveland as well, so that, that kind of goes back to my point. Orlando's 10 games under 500, but they're one game over at home, so they are a much better home team than road team. I'm going to go with Orlando here. I think Okoro being out is a big deal for the Cavs perimeter defense. I think Orlando has enough 
depth to potentially make life uncomfortable for Cleveland. Give me Orlando at home here. I'll take the five points. All right, Nolan, say what you like. Yeah, I like Orlando too. Um, they've been playing a lot better home, like Scott alluded to. They're also 22-17 and 17 ATS at home. Their defense has been playing extremely well. Uh, I like under 110 in four of the last five games. I didn't like what I saw from um, from Cleveland when they played against Indiana on Saturday or Sunday, one of those days. I forgot. But their last game against uh, Indiana, didn't like what I was seeing. I know, you know Jared Allen was in and out of the lineup, but I thought they should have pretty much blasted Indiana, but they kept them around. Um, the defense has struggled a bit as of late. You know, they've allowed 120 plus in two of the last three games. So that's not usually what they do. Um, they're, just, they're struggling defending the three. So if Orlando can get out and make some threes uh, and get in transition, they should have a, a little bit of success here. Um, the one thing that I am worried about with Orlando is their turnovers. Uh, they're like bottom six, seven in turnover rate in, on offense. And Cleveland does a good job of taking the ball away top five in turnover defense. So if they can limit those turnovers, I think they got a shot to uh, not only cover but win this game outright. Yeah, no. So Orlando really has turned it around on the defensive side of the ball. Past five games, you look at them in terms of defensive rating, and they are actually second in the league, only behind the Boston Celtics in the past five games. And when you look at Cleveland, they've fallen off a little bit all the way down at 16 in terms of defensive rating. And then add in the fact that, you know, just digging deep into that, like you talked about, they are one giving up 107.2 points per game in the last five games. That's good for sixth in the NBA during that span. Field goal percentage defense is number one in the last five games, 42% opponent field goal percentage. And so even, you know, limiting the three ball, that 30, 30.2% from three, that's third in the NBA during that span. Orlando's really, really kicked it on defensively. They really, really have shown an effort over the end of this season that they are going to compete in every single game. They're going to try to win every single game. This is not a tank fest for them. And I mean, they're technically not out of it for the 10 seed. So that I guess you can somewhat throw that in there, but uh, wow, how highly unlikely it is. Yeah. Orlando has been really good. I'm, I'm here back in Orlando in this spot. I think that they, have the depth offensively, even though that they do have some mistakes. And you can expect that from a young team, but they still got Paolo Mancaro and Franz Wagner. And I think those guys are kind of a little bit of a mismatch for uh, Cleveland, especially when you talk about their guard depth and uh, make and seeing how that they're going to attack Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland today. So, yeah, it feels good. I truly do like the Orlando Magic here. Sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I, this is the first game of a back-to-back set. Let's say Orlando wins the first one, and maybe Cleveland comes back and wins the second one. So, I like it. Total's at 222. Delonte, do you have anything on total? Yeah, I probably would lean under also in this game with, with the defenses, like you said. I mean, Cleveland's defense has been playing a lot worse, but, I mean, their standard was, was so high that they had no other choice but to fall. Um, I am worried about some of the advantages that Cleveland has, especially at the rim. The Magic don't have a lot of interior dip. So Allen, Mobley, they could have a field day inside. But ultimately, they play at the slowest pace in the NBA. The Magic offense is not good. 26 in points per possession offense. So I think both teams play a slow pace, low possession game. Uh, I like the under. Scott. I think I'm going to lean over in this one. I was mentioning some of my concerns about their defense with Okoro being out last week, and then we saw the Knicks score 130 
And then they also, they were fine, I guess, against uh, Indiana last game defensively. But Indiana's completely punted on the season at this point, so I don't know if that really means anything. But I'm going to lean over. I'm not sold on the backup perimeter defender options for Cleveland, so I do think that Orlando could have some success. And I think Cleveland should have some success on the glass. And Donovan Mitchell is also Donovan Mitchell. So I'm going to go with the over. I think each team has a certain way that they could have success in this game offensively. Give me the over in this game. Hmm. So y'all are split, and I'm torn. So At least we got that in common. So y'all want to play a game? The ref report. Let's play a game of the ref is not right. Do 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 do. As Scott pulls up who's going to be the actual ref for the game and i am going to figure out what their stats are for over the course of this season scott do you have the reps for tonight the usual um source of the ref information does not have anything listed for some reason so i'm going to quickly check the nba official website to uh okay uh we're talking about the cleveland game all right you have curtis blair as the crew chief Curtis Blair is 33 and 26 to the over with a total of 229. You nervous over there, Delonta? A little bit of an over ref there. It, it, um, did, it did start. It did start well for the under. You got Brian Forte and Brian, John Connolly as your as your other two. And Brian Forte is an under ref at 29 and 30, but the total is at 229.2 still. And you say who's the last one? Uh, John Conley. John Conley is slightly an over ref at 17 and 16 with 229.6. So, yikes. All three are above this number in terms of points per game. I'm going to have to lean over. I'm going to have to go over. I'm, I'm trusting the ref report with this one. All right. What do we have prop wise, Scott? So, for starters, Allen's back in the lineup. Does that mean that you're assuming he'll actually get a normal workload? Because if he does, aren't you going to kind of just pivot to Allen double-double? I think he should have a pretty good game. Mitchell, I think, is going to have a good game as well. We saw Mitchell drop a 40-piece against the Knicks, and I think that he could put up a good overall game here. But I mentioned the overall wing defenders or lack thereof for the Cavs with Okoro being out. So... I feel like I am pretty tempted by either Boncaro, obviously, but he might get the Evan Mobley treatment. I kind of like Wagner in this game. I'm just trying to think of who's going to fully match up with him on the wings. Right now, is it Dean Wade? Like, is Dean Wade going to get the Franz-Wagner matchup? So I think I'm going to look at Franz. I think he's got a good matchup in the spot. All right, Lance. Oh, well, you got to come off mute first, sir. It happens once the show. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I like his Paulo's rebounds over seven and a half. Uh, he's over in three straight and four straight. I'm sorry. He's had double digits in three of those. Um, no interior size for them, so he's going to have to you know be more involved in the paint, uh, like rebounding and trying to keep the calves off the glass. So I, I think he has a pretty big night on the glass. So I'm looking forward, you know, him to have ten or more on the glass tonight. That's the only one I like. Yeah, here. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Going to my guy, Evan Mobley, over 17 and a half. He's been getting it done offensively. He has, like we said the other week, that pick and roll between Garland and Mobley is like 
nearly unguardable. <laughs> like it's insane how much com how much connection those two have on the pick and roll and how good that they can be. And I think that that's somewhere where they can take advantage in this tonight. So I am going to roll with Evan Mobley 17 and a half. And before we get to the next game, I got to talk to you about Shady Rays because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with their premium premium polarized shades and custom customs customizable oh my god can i talk today please all right we're good customizable snow goggles shady rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product everybody's getting their shady rays scott do you have your shady rays on you uh i do not have them currently but i know where they are so i'll have to get them for the next one <laughs> he said that last time all right <laughs> Shady Rays, go to ShadyRays.com, use code SGPN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try yourself. The shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. All right, gentlemen, let's get on to the next game of the slate. We have here, who's next? The, the Charlotte Hornets are welcoming the Toronto Raptors again to Charlotte. Minus 14 and a half here uh, again, I think. Was that last one 14 and a half or was it 12 and a half? Yeah, it's 14 and a half. Yeah, so 14 and a half here. Again, you have a total sitting here at 223. That's come down half a point. Injury report for these two teams and for the Toronto Raptors, we have. Where did you go, Toronto? OG Anobi is questionable. Gary Trent Jr. is questionable. Will Barton is probable. And for the Charlotte Hornets, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, Kelly Oubre, Gordon Hayward, all out. Mark Williams is probable, and Dennis Smith Jr. is questionable. All right. Let's start with Scott. What are you doing here laying the big number with Toronto? I'll take Fred Venvliet assists, and I'll call it a day. <laughs> I think that's how I'm going to go about this. Charlotte, I think you got to fade them. It was a fun ride. What was it? Two games? Three games? It was it was a glorious three games. I hope that they hang the uh, gambling banner for the upset win that they had uh, for like a week or two ago. They've gotten buried the last couple of games. It has not been pretty at all. Van Vliet had a 20-20 and 20 game, which I did not expect to see, but I'm not totally surprised by it. But Smith Jr. has been injured. We've seen Hayward injured. The, I mean... The, Pretty much anybody worth a damn on this team has been injured, and they're still doing the center rotations. So I'm assuming Williams will not be playing in this game, or maybe he will, but uh, Richards will be back, and either Kai Jones or Williams will be out. Uh, it's, it's a lot of points to lay on the road, but Toronto did just kill this team. It is 14 and a half, though. I think I'm going to have to wait to see if Dennis Smith plays because I actually do think the drop-off between him and Maladon is pretty large because I'm really not a Maladon guy. I'm going to lean... 16 last time out. Yeah, I know. But, but he had 14 assists. Yeah, that, yeah, he can't really shoot, though, but he was solid facilitating in that game. I think I'm just going to stick with what I said. I'm going to go with Van Vliet assists. I'm kind of going to cop out on the side. But Charlotte has been really, really bad the last couple games, so I think the spread is actually warranted, but I would rather not lay 14 and a half with Toronto on the road. I'd rather lay it at home if I had the choice. So I think I'm going to lean Charlotte, even though I don't feel great about it, but I am looking at Van Vliet double-double again. All right. Uh, Latte, what's, what's you doing? Yeah, man, I'm with Scott. I pretty much would, if I would play the game, I'd probably lay it with the Raptors. 
Hornets, they're playing hard. They just don't have a lot of talent. And the way the Raptors have been playing over the last 10 games, uh, I think they're they're hitting their, their stride. It's going to be a dangerous team in the, in the uh, play-in if they, if they get the right matchup, especially. They covered seven of the last 10. Defense has been uh, really well allowing under 105 in three of the last five games. Um, offense has been slightly better. Uh, they're usually around 25th, 26th in points per possession. Uh, their rating is third in the last 10 games on offense. So Scott pretty much summed it up. Uh, the Hornets just – they probably get buried here. Um, I would look at maybe their team total under, especially the way the Raptors have been playing defense. They just don't have the scoring ability or options to be able to score here. So I'll lean to the Raptors more. I more so like the first quarter over and then the game under. Uh, eight of the last ten of the Raptors' first quarters have went over. Um, the first matchup went over by four points. I think it was 56, 56 and a half. They had 60. Um, the Raptors pretty much scored with ease. Every other possession they were scoring, got what they want. I mean, so I like that first quarter play, um, the first quarter overplay, and then the full game under. All right. Yeah, I think if I played Raptors, I play them early. Um, not really concerned about laying a large number, minus five in the first quarter, and even – you know, the eight and a half in the first half. It, the, the fact that I'm getting under double digits in the first half actually is pretty appeasing. I think that, you know, it's just that you can feel a backdoor situation here that could absolutely come into fruition towards the end of this game with the fact that the Raptors just need to win. Like, they understand they just need to win. They don't have to go out here and handle this by margin. And if they're up 10 points with five minutes – not 10, but like 15 points with five, four or five minutes to go in the game. I can see them absolutely pulling everybody and just saying, hey, like, you know, we we win by 11. They're still good. We win by 10. That's still good. So I, I'm going to I'm going to say Charlotte. I'm going to say Charlotte plus 14 and a half. But I love the Raptors in the early part of the game. All right. Uh, so is everybody on the under? Yeah, I probably would like go uh, if you had to play either side. I would play the Raptors team total over or the Hornets team total under. I wouldn't play the full total. I think I have to lean to the under if you're asking me just for the actual side thought here because I'm not totally sure how Charlotte's supposed to score. Now, I guess the counter argument <laughs> is well, Charlotte's defense is horrible, so maybe Toronto can score 128 points again. They're still 13 and 25 on the road. I am expecting them to look a little bit worse offensively, and they've also just played against each other, so there is some familiarity with the sets that the other team runs. Mm. I'm going to lean under. I find it interesting that they just played, and the game landed 336, and this totals 223, when Charlotte was already missing anybody worth a damn on their teams. That hasn't exactly changed much. But since this total is so much lower than what the last meeting they just had landed, I think it's a bit trappy. I'm going to go with the under. All right. Uh, I am. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm on under. Uh, I'm I'm sticking to my bat teams playing back to back games, taking it under the second go around. They kind of figure things out a little bit more defensively, uh, but especially if OG plays. If OG doesn't play, then I probably will stay away. All right, Scott. I'm like? he's not going to play, right? I mean, you're favored by 14. I'm. They're not going to rush him back. Yeah, it, yeah, they don't have to. But, you know, it's still – well, I, I think Gary Trent, at the very least, Gary Trent plays because he's missed a lot of time over the yeah. past some while. So, all right, Scott, what do you like prop-wise? 
So I mentioned Van Vliet double-double. It's tough to go against the guy that had 20 assists in the last meeting. Besides that, whichever starting center for Charlotte, I'll take the double-double because that's just been a great option no matter who you take. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll wait to see who the starting center is, take the double-double because even though Pirtle is good defensively, you're looking at Charlotte's offense and the lack of any option that they have. They're going to force-feed some guys in the paint every now and then just because they – endlessly spam pick and rolls and they hope that they can get something we saw mallet on a 14 assists from it basically so whichever center for charlotte is getting the start i'll take him double double i mentioned van vliet i thought about maybe portal rebounds because they're against charlotte so you can make an argument that the centers just clean up on the glass in this game but mm-hmm. it's tough to fully pick a props for toronto because they could win by blowout and they might just end up having a minute restriction based on just resting some guys late so I'm kind of staying away from most, but I would look for the Van Vliet double-double, and I also would look for uh, Mark Williams or whoever's starting for Charlotte double-double. All right, Dante. Yeah, I don't like any props in this game, simply because too wide of a variance. I think the Raptors might can beat them by 25-30, and those guys are sitting by the end of the third quarter. So um, Scott brought up some interesting ones, especially with the with the Hornets bigs. But like he said, you never know who's going to play. So I'll probably be passing on the player props uh, in this matchup. Well, you're going to know. You just don't know now. Charlotte usually announces which centers are not going to play, and you can infer where the minutes will get distributed from that. Mm-hmm. So if we go in off of history of what this rotation has looked like, Kai Jones has played – I think the last three games. So it sounds like that Kai Jones and with Mark Williams being probable, it sounds like Kai Jones is going to be yeah. the one out yeah, and good. Nick Richards gets to start with Mark Williams coming off the bench. Cause Mark Williams has started the uh, last game as well. So if he continues his rotation, I think Kai Jones is the eye one out with Nick Richards probably being the starter today. Do you think it's weird Van Vliet double doubles like plus 125 when he literally had a 20 and 20 game against the same team a couple days ago? Mm, not really. Just because of game flow? Or you just yeah, think maybe, yeah, yeah. Just in the game flow, yeah. Yeah, and I think the game's gonna I think the game's gonna be different this go around too, so uh I'm I'm just gonna go back to Yakaproto. I I think Yakaproto still like even with Williams, Richards, Jones, whatever three that is gonna be likely Richards and Williams. I think Yakupur still can be able to get on the inside. He had 16 last time. I think he'll still be able to have a, a little bit of a role in this offense of just getting some easy buckets on the inside or some putbacks or anything like that, being clean clean up on the glass. So uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Yakupur. I'm gonna take his points over 14 and a half minus 130. He had 16 last game. I think that that's something that you know of everything that's not gonna repeat. I think this is one of those things. That will so Yakupurdo over fourteen and a half. All right, next. No, before we get to the next game, I gotta talk to you one more time and get us paid with Sword Vitality because you can unsheath your sword and have it sharper than ever with Sword Vitality. Look, if you're having problems with impulses don't be don't be concerned because 40 percent of men are effective affected by it by age 40 and nearly 70 percent by age 70 stop buying those suspect weird gas station rhino pills or anything like that no more trying to hide pills around making sure that your lady doesn't find them and know your issues 
You take care of your manscape. Take care of your sword too with sword vitality. Increase your blood flow. Thrive as a man and increase your stamina for the minute men out there. You don't got to hide it. Be proud. Sword vitality. Dot com. Use promo code SGPN for a nice discount at checkout. That is swordvitality.com. Promo code SGPN. Unsheath your sword. And we're also brought to you by the Golf Gambling Podcast's TaylorMade Driver Contest. Completely free to enter, and you have a chance to win an awesome TaylorMade Driver. All you have to do is go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash driver. They will be giving it out on Sunday, April 8th. That is sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash driver for that contest. All right, let's move on. Next game of the slate here. We have 11 to go. The Milwaukee Bucks are playing the Washington Wizards. Bucks opened up as a 12-point favorite. They are now a 13-point favorite on the road. 230 and a half is the total. That's come up a point. Injury report for these two teams. And for the Milwaukee Bucks, we have Chris Middleton, who is out due to injury management. Grayson Allen is out because of ankle injury. Javon Carter is probable with the knee. And Miles Leonard is probable with the calf. And for the Washington Wizards, Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, Kristaps Porzingis, and Monte Morris are all out. That is four of their five primary starters. You are looking at a potential lineup of DeLon Wright, Johnny Davis, Corey Kisser, Denny Avdia, and Daniel Gafford. Hoo-wee. All right. Scott, I'm going to come over to you. Playing 13 with the Bucks, but look at this lineup for the Wizards. Yeah, it's not pretty. If Milwaukee chooses to show up for this game just mentally, they should win this game comfortably. However, if you look at the head-to-head numbers this season, Washington's actually given some problems to Milwaukee, but I'm not sure if that matters because Washington basically has none of its usual players playing in this game. Like maybe one or two with Porzingis, but for the most part, Kuzma's still out. Beal is still out, and Beal did have 33 points last meeting. But I am looking at the schedule for Milwaukee because the main concern you have for some of these top-seeded teams, will they actually care against the bottom feeders because they just had two games against Boston and Philly? And looking at the schedule here for Milwaukee, they have a matchup against Chicago and Memphis up next. So Milwaukee should care in this game. Uh, I, I think I'd rather just take a player prop and go Giannis over in points because I believe he's had a 50-piece against this team earlier this year, and he's really just killed Washington. I think I'd rather just look for an actual player prop approach for this game. You might hear that a lot for me this episode, but I don't really feel great about laying double digits on the road in the NBA. So mm-hmm. I'm, I guess I'm leaning Milwaukee, but I'm not going to really feel comfortable laying it. So give me Giannis over in points, especially with Middleton being out. I think Giannis goes for another 35-plus point game. All right. Lance, what do you like? Yeah, I'm probably with Scott here. I lean to the Bucks. The Bucks usually bury bad teams. The only thing the Wizards have going for I do like like a couple of the younger guys that they're playing is Kispert and um, Denny Avdia. I mean, outside of those two guys, I mean, it's not, it's not much there. So, like Scott said, if the Bucks wanted to, they should win by 20, 25, but – um, they should be still motivated. I mean, Boston's not too far behind them. They still can uh, get the 60 wins. So it's a lot of, you know, interior motivation for them to, to come out and play well. 
But I just, I mean, I can't land double digits. You don't make money land double digits in the NBA. But if I had to, I guess I would lean that way. Um, the Wizards just don't have much outside of Kispert and, and Aldea. So uh, maybe a Bucks team total is probably a better, probably a better bit. Um, and the over. I, I would probably play the over. The Wizards have been playing at a faster pace as of late. Uh, Milwaukee's defense has been slipping a little. They've allowed 120 in three of the last five games. Now, some of that is opponent-based. Obviously, they don't have the the um, the skill set offensively. The Wizards don't to give the Bucks problems, but they still play at a faster pace. So, faster pace, bigger variance. Uh, I like the over more than I like anything in the game. All right. Z, let's see here. I'm just making sure I have this number correct. And I believe I do. If I don't, oh well. Two and three in terms of a double-digit spread against the spread are the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. Two and three. Uh, Houston is in that group. Uh, the Pacers are in that group of teams that have covered this number at home against them. I just... I really can't get past this lineup. Like, this lineup is real. And... It takes a superhuman effort by one person to get this cover. But I'm not sure they get that effort out of anybody. Like Corey Kispert, we know how he get down. He he'll he'll be all right, you know, we'll get a couple good games out of him and he'll disappear. Avdia, I think he doesn't have the right matchup this go around. I think that even coming off the bench for the Bucks, it's still some people that can like I think the Bucks bench unit could actually go toe to toe with this starting unit. And so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just roll with the Bucks. We'll we'll talk about a, a double digit team uh, favorite that I want to fade next game, but I'll just go ahead and roll with the Bucks here. Two thirty and a half. Delonte, what do you like? Yeah, I like the over. I was just uh, alluding to the pace that the Wizards have been playing with since those guys, since the top three guys have been out. And Bucks defensively, they haven't flipped it on as of yet. They're just pretty much going out and outscoring teams, um, but. Again, that was against uh, higher competition offensively. So I still like the the over here, especially if the Bucks get up big. Um, the Wizards will probably try to claw back and shoot a lot of threes, especially the way Kispert's been shooting the ball. He's been shooting the hell out of the ball. So I like the over here. Scott, you like the over too? I'm going to lean over as well. I just think Giannis is such a freight train that Milwaukee could score 120 or Washington actually contributes. I'm going to go with the over in this game. And I think that Milwaukee, if they really show up focused, if I told you they were scoring 130, you probably wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the over. Yeah, the very least, Milwaukee team total over. All right, next. Oh, props, props. What props do you like, Scott? Well, I mentioned Giannis. I see his points totals at 30 and a half, but that's because they think he might get benched in the fourth quarter. I was about to say, 30 and a half is so conservative for Giannis. It's so conservative, especially for, once again, a guy who had 55 against Washington earlier this year. I see Giannis triple-double is around 750. Of course, Washington was the team that he famously intentionally chucked the ball off the backboard to pick up a temporary (laughs) triple-double that was later removed. But you're looking at his numbers, and he has done pretty well at rebounding and assisting against Washington. 23-9 and 13, 55-10 and 7, 33-15 and 11, uh, 29-18 and 5, 23-9 and 8, 31-15 and 11, 33-11 and 11. Those are Giannis's last couple games against Washington. I'm not sure if I like the 750 there, 
But with Middleton being out, Giannis should have the ball more. So I think either points or triple-double, I think one of them is going to hit. But can I see Giannis doing what he did against Indiana, which is basically just stat-padding the entire first half against a bad team and getting a triple-double at some point in the third quarter? I can see that. So I do think Giannis is kind of on triple-double watch here. So I think that's where I'm going to lean. Either Giannis points or Giannis triple-double. All right. And Lance, what do you like? Yeah, I think Brooke Lopez has a big game here, uh, depending on how much he plays. I know he's been dealing with a lot of um, injuries and lingering stuff lingering. So kind of been uh, on his his numbers have been like his minutes has been like up and down. But I think he will go over his points and rebounds. That is at 24 and a half. I think he has a big night. I also like Portis to destroy 19 and a half points and rebounds. I think he has a monster night against that second unit. Um, of the Wizards, who's pretty much un- they're undersized as a whole, but uh, outside of Gafford, who fouls probably be in foul trouble in the first five minutes, not much there for him. So I think Portis dominates on the inside, uh, which also bodes well for Lopez to hit a few threes um, on the pick and roll. So I like both of those guys over points and rebounds. All right, I'm gonna go off the reservation a little bit. One because I don't see my guy Bobby Portis up here listed, but. Last time that the Bucks had a really crazy blowout was at Utah. Pat Connington got 29 minutes, went 8 for 12 from the floor, 6 from 10 from 3, 22 minutes. He had one minute in that game on Sunday against the Philadelphia 76ers. If this gets out of hand, Pat Connington, I mean, you don't have Grayson Allen anymore, so you're already short on depth. Somebody's got to go play out there while the start while the people that start are sitting. And Pat Connaughton could be one of those guys that just finds himself out there and he's getting easy open looks at the basket. He just starts firing them off and hitting them. So this is a complete gut call by me. But I'm going to just take Pat Connaughton today and say that he comes off the bench in garbage time and gives you anywhere from 10 to 15 points. All right. That is that for that game. Let's move on to the next game. Miami Heat are on the road going to play the Detroit Pistons. Heat are laying 13. 219 is the total. Do you, you want to just here. end the breakdown there? and just? No, nah, we could, but <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give the people what they want. And for the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo expects to play. Kyle Lowry is questionable. Nikola Jovic is out. And for the Pistons, Bagley is out. With a concussion, Burks and Magruder are both still out with foot injuries. What is Jovich out for? High school diploma? <laughs> I think that's what it is, honestly. But, I mean, you can pretty much, that's it for the injury report. Everybody knows Stuart, Pogdanovich, Diallo, Cunningham, all that. I mean, is anybody here bolded up to late 13 with the heat? Just please go ahead so we can publicly shame you. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right, great. Nah. I'm glad that we are all on the p- same page about that. So Detroit plus 13, you don't really question it. Don't ask no questions. You just let it happen. Detroit plus 13. Does anybody have anything on total? I probably lean under. Um, I don't think either offense will have like a breakout game. What is the total exactly? I'm seeing uh... 219. Yeah, so I can see both teams struggling to get to 100 here. I can see a 98, 97, you know, 98, 95 type of game. So I'll link to the under. Scott. 
I think I'm going to lean under as well. Uh, each of the first two meetings this season did land exactly 212. And I know Miami's offense got going last game. That was against Dallas. I heard a rumor that the three of us might score 50 combined against Dallas's defense. So that doesn't really mean anything <laughs> to me. Absolutely. I'm just going to go ahead and lean to the under. If I think Detroit's going to cover, I don't think they can afford to get into a shootout per se but I do think that they can hang around with Miami because Miami's offense is really just hit or miss, usually yeah. miss. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the under here. I think it's correlated, and I think Detroit hanging around means this game's probably ugly, so I'm going to lean under. That's the same way that I'm thinking of it towards the under and just saying that uh, I'm not – I, I'm not trusting Miami's offense to come out here and have an amazing game. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 they're too up and down, hit or miss for me. And whereas I know Detroit really is going to give me what Miami gives me. Like, I think that what if whatever I project Miami to have, I think Detroit's going to give me just about the same thing because I think that this is a no sweat cover here. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with the under, but. Because, no, I don't think Detroit gets into a situation where they blow these guys out. Yeah, we're just going to stick with the under. Under 219. But I think Miami's team total under is still a pretty solid play as well. All right. Prop-wise for this game, Scott, what do you got? I feel like I have to lean to Jimmy Butler anyway, just because Miami's running out of time to, in theory, have a miracle run to avoid the plan. It's not going to happen. I think that they've given themselves too much of a bad start the nets have kind of woken up a little bit there's a growing gap there between the six and the seven i think miami's a playing team but butler did show up last game and he dropped about 35 so Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that he shows up because we think this game might be close so butler won't get benched or anything do you think butler assists is kind of a sneaky play because he had a double double with assists last game but i know butler in these big games down the stretch I know I'm calling it a big game against Detroit because that's how bad Miami's been lately. But do you think Butler kind of just brings his A game here because it feels like he's going to have something to show in this game? And we know Adebayo, he's injured, so he might have to rely on Butler more. Hero hasn't exactly been great at shooting lately. Still a good player, but he hasn't shot well lately. I like Butler over, but I'm not sure in what capacity. And for the Pistons, we keep trying to have this game of musical chairs or guess the right rebounder. That's our second mini game that we're going to patent. <laughs> we never guess. You only got two options this time. I was going to say, we got two <laughs> options, which helps. Uh, you have a favorite, you have a favorite choice here because Bagley's out. Uh, Wiseman's going to be starting. So I guess you're leading Wiseman, but Durin is a good rebounder too. One of them over. I also don't mind Jade and Ivy points and assists over. He's gotten mm-hmm. a much bigger run with this team. Killian Hayes is just a bad basketball player, so I think they're going to let Ivy do what he wants. I like Ivy over here. I just think that the volume is going to be too large to ignore. Yeah, if I had to go, I'd probably go Wiseman. And, and Durant, I mean, we'll see what they do. Durant, they might start Durant next to Wiseman and, you know, with Bagley out. We'll see how they decide to play big in that lineup. But Durant, I see, is at a minus price for that 8.5. Wiseman's at a plus price. That's the only thing that really took me. I'll just take Wiseman over 8.5 at plus money. Uh, Delonte, where are you looking at? Uh, yeah, Scott pretty much laid it out for me with Ivy. I think he has a, a pretty good bounce back game. He was 4-14 last outing after playing pretty well uh, in a march to putting the ball in his hands, obviously a lot more. Um, like you said, you never know who to trust with the with the bigs or the Pistons. One of them is going to have a good game. 
I mean, it, it's inevitable one of them has a good game, but I'll put in a lot of money on Jay Navi to have a bounce back game tonight. So I like his uh, points and assists tonight with Scott. What is Jimmy Butler to score 30? Yeah, let's say 30. He had 35 last game. It's just, if we really, like, if the Heat do what the Heat do, Jimmy's going to be out there. And if Jimmy gets to the fourth quarter and this game is close, he's going to drop, like, 10 to 14 points. Yeah. No, that was my thought process behind Jimmy. But uh, looking at the points here, uh, Jimmy to score 30 is around plus 240. Yeah, I feel like that's worth it. I think that's worth it. Uh, everybody's asking about Bam. I mean, off I, an injury, I, I don't know how great I feel about this. I'm not, I'm not saying it. So, I mean, I gave up Bam double double last time against the Knicks and he scored nine points. So I don't want to talk about it either. I mean, I don't like Bam. And I'm just saying, it was a good matchup, and he scored nine points. He got the rebounds. He just couldn't score the damn basket uh, in the basket. So, yeah, uh, I, I got nothing on Bam. You had the chance to give out Bam and didn't do it, so that shows how much you like Bam. <laughs> All right, moving and on nine, to the next nine game. Points, nine points, give out a double-double, and he scored nine. I can't. I'm, I'm done. I tried. <laughs> the Minnesota Timberwolves are on the road to play the Brooklyn Nets. Timberwolves – Opened up as plus one. They are now minus two favorite. 224 and a half is the total. That total's come down four points. Injury report here for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And we have Carl Anthony Towns is questionable with the illness and a calf. Austin Rivers is questionable with the illness. Jalen Noel is questionable. Anthony Edwards has died on the injury report. So does that mean Anthony Edwards is the one that got everybody sick? Because it seems like yeah, you know is. the other two, yeah, yeah the other two are, are still dealing with it. But it's good. So he must have been the patient zero for them. Yeah. For the Brooklyn Nets, clean injury report. Only person that's up there is redacted. So let's move over to Scott. You're catching two as a dog with the Nets at home. So it is a pretty good get-up spot for Minnesota after losing outright as a 19-and-a-half-point favorites against the Trailblazers over the weekend, which is one of the biggest point spread upsets in NBA modern NBA history. And so you could look into it two ways. Either Minnesota brings the Ray game because they need to and they're going to be embarrassed over what happened, or Minnesota's bad. The Nets have played good basketball. And I want nothing to do with Minnesota with the Nas Reed being out because they have no front court depth and Cat might not play. I'm going with option B. I'm going to go with the Nets. I think they've played good basketball lately. They almost choked away that massive game against Utah, but the Jazz are inevitable, so they're going to cover no matter what. So that kind of just happens. Minnesota's just bad. I mean, if you wanted a complete microcosm of what we don't like about Minnesota, I feel like losing as a 19-and-a-half-point favorites to a Portland team that was t- that's tanking is kind of a perfect summary of why we don't trust this team. And now Cap might not play, Reed's out, and Reed is such a good backup center. He's easily the best backup center in the league. I just have too many questions about Minnesota. You also mentioned that there's an illness going around with Minnesota, so I'm not sold on the current overall health of the overall team. I'm going to go with the Nets at home. Uh, I think that the Nets are the better team. They're in better form. And Minnesota, after losing to Portland, I'm not going to suddenly assume they show up for this game. I just think they're bad. So I'm going to go with the Nets. All right. Lance. Yeah, I'm on the complete opposite train. I think 
I want them because they lost to to. That's what I'm saying. You can look at it either way. I'm gonna look at it the other way. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you, but yeah, I like Minnesota. I think that that illness was really ailing them. Uh, with Ant Man, have you seen like them on the bench? They were like out of it. Like I think Anthony Edwards had his hand in his face, like for an entire timeout position. So is that like Michael Jordan flu game towel situation? (laughs) No, but instead instead of winning the game, they lose to the worst team in the league. (laughs) He was like vomiting during timeouts, all kind of, all kind of stuff, man. I was reading all kind of stuff about him, but I mean, him being off the injury report is big for them. Uh, Whether cat plays or not, I, I mean, I think he does play, but I don't think it matters. They're pretty well versed without him. I mean, they they've been playing for what like three months without him, so uh, they're pretty decent on the road. Nineteen and twenty ATS, so not bad, not horrible. But um, they are twenty four. Well, actually, they're not a dog. I made this whenever they were a dog. So I, I like the money coming in on, on Minnesota. I agree with it. Um, I have Brooklyn and Mr. Playoffs probably going to lose that ticket. So I've been trying to get my money back on Minnesota. So. I mean, I'll be trying to get my money back on Minnesota. So I'm going big here on Minnesota. Probably one of my better plays on the card. So I think what the tiebreaker, because both of these teams are literally like neck and neck in almost every single category over the past five games. So it's a clear why this is such a low spread. I think that the the tiebreaker for me is who do I feel like has the offensive talent that when it matters, they can take the game over. And Cat being questionable really, really changes that. But I'm going to roll with my – like, Mikel Bridges has been absolutely on fire since being with this team. And if it comes down to it, and I'm looking at the Mikel Bridges, I'm looking at the backcourt with Spencer Dinwiddie as well, like – I think that I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on those players offensively rather than a compromise Carl Anthony Towns, a compromise Anthony Edwards, and then whatever else that they hope they get offensively from the rest of the team. So I'm gonna roll with the Nets here plus two. But this is a really, really tough game. However, my favorite play here is on the total, and I'll take that under 224 and a half every day of the week. I mean, both of these two teams, top 10 in every single defensive metric over the past five games, opponents' points per game, opponents' field field goal percentage, opponents' three-point percentage, like everything you look at in terms of how these two teams have been playing defense, they've been really, really good. So uh, that's by far my favorite play on this game is under 224 and a half. Uh, what you say you? Um. I'm kind of torn on the total, to be honest. Uh, it's kind of dependent upon Towns, because I think that if Towns plays – I mean, I think Towns does play, just throwing it out. I think he does. And I think their offense is a lot better when he's there simply because they can stretch out the floor and let Rudy just roam around in the paint so that he doesn't have to get switched off in a lot of pick and rolls. Now, they're going to try to switch him off in a lot of pick and rolls, but I think they can kind of disguise that in some junk zone that Finch plays a lot. So um, – I guess I would lean under with you uh, simply because of the defensive stature that Minnesota has been playing. I think the matchup between Bridges and McDaniels is going to be like pretty good. If he can limit Bridges to, you know, a tough 25, like, you know, him actually getting up like 24, 25 shots and just making it off sheer volume. I think that it, it stays way under. So I'm with you on the under here. All right, Scott. I think I'm going to lean over. I don't feel great about it, but 
it was just mentioned by Trevor. He thinks that Towns is going to play because Minnesota is still favored. I agree with that. I think Towns is probably going to play. Is that Trevor's story to second baseman, Scott? Uh, not quite. Uh, no, there's no E in the last name. Uh, for yeah, this is burner To be fair, Trevor Story's injured again, so he does have some extra free time on his hands. Uh, so potentially. Why not watch the NBA game in the podcast? Yeah, uh, either way, point is, I do think that for the total, I'm going to lean over because I do have some questions defensively for both teams. I still find a really weird Minnesota's favor here. I don't get it. I think that the Nets getting points, or at least on the money line being at a plus money or even money at home, that's got to be how I look at it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't trust Minnesota. I, I can't at all. I don't like this team. If you look at them on the road this season, they are not exactly good either. The Nets haven't been great at home, but they've been better lately. I'm going to lean to the Nets. They're in better form once again. But for the total, I think I'm going to lean over. But assuming Cat plays, because if he doesn't play, if he doesn't play, my main pivot is going to be Kyle Anderson double double or something involving Kyle Anderson, who is my arguably my favorite role player in the league. Uh, but I'm going to lean to the Nets. I think it's a good spot. Hey, real, real quick, do you have the um, like the betting splits? I don't really pay attention to it, but I'm curious to see if like the public is on. Oh, oh, the public is all over the Minnesota. Seventy three percent of the bet, seventy two percent of the money is on the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. So how does that make sense? The Nets well, the have a completely clean injury report. Anthony Edwards is recovering patient zero, but he got half the team sick. So Cat might not play. How the hell is seventy-two percent of the bets coming in on Minnesota? I, I don't. I don't understand. They just lost as nineteen and a half point favorites. The money has to be there too, because I mean, public's not moving the line from one to two and a half. I mean, it's not a humongous move, but I mean, I I think that it's a little bit of a re. I, I think that it's a little bit of theory that you know you just lost to Portland, you got to bounce back, but like. That's a sign of how Again, bad they are. <laughs> these teams are in the play-in for a reason. Like, I want everybody to remember. They are fighting for a play-in spot for a reason. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I I, think I'm sticking with Brooklyn on this one. I feel I better about spending Brooklyn. my money on the Nets than the Timberwolves. I feel like it's simple. Honestly, like, like, come on. We've been fading the Timberwolves all season, Scott. We got to keep going. Yeah, I'm good. With the, I'm good with the Nets. All right. Prop-wise, Scott, what you like? Well, I said if Cat doesn't play, I, I'm all over Anderson, either PRA or RA. I think he might have a double-double if uh, Towns doesn't play. I would pick Gobert rebounds if I didn't have a personal vendetta against him for not <laughs> rebounding earlier this season. But it is a very good matchup for Gobert on the boards. So try, you can you can take that. That might be the BAM treatment uh, that Terrell has. But in my case, I'm just not going to give it out. But I do have to at least bring up Gobert rebounds because it's a good spot against Claxton. I like Claxton blocks. I, I mentioned this is the last time these teams played. Gobert is going to try to hit a couple layups on Claxton for no reason because he thinks he's good at offense, and Claxton's <laughs> going to punt each of them into the fifth row. It's what's going to happen. Like I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. Give me Claxton over in blocks. I, I believe when I mentioned it the first time, Claxton finished with, I think, four I'm in the first be, I'm meeting. I'm not to look right now. I know he definitely went over when I brought it up, and he blocked Gobert like three times. It's going to happen. I'm going to be looking at Claxton blocks potentially. I know Cam Johnson's been on a bit of a hot streak recently, which is you know, yeah, a refreshing psych. He's a very streaky shooter. Maybe Cam Johnson threes because he has been shooting the ball a lot better after being horrible for the first month or so. With, with That's him where I was going nets. with this one. Cam Johnson threes, I think I have to mention. 
Yeah, that's where I was going with this one. And just kind of that same theory I kind of had is, you know, he's came out the Western Conference. He's seen Minnesota four times a year. And he could feel, you know, a little bit com- more comfortable playing against Minnesota and a guy that they will overlook because Bridges is going to get all the attention. And so, yeah, I like Cam Johnson to have a pretty good day from behind Art. By the way, I looked at Black Center four blocks in the first meter. A lot to uh, two props. I like uh, Scott mentioned the the Rudy prop. I like him twenty six and a half points and rebounds. Like like you said, good matchup against Brooklyn. Doesn't doesn't rebound the ball well. Uh, he had twenty eight and thirteen in a previous matchup, and uh, in the last uh, let's see four games, Brooklyn has allowed four players two in the same game to have ten plus rebounds. So if he can get to 12, 13 rebounds, I'm pretty sure he can get to you know. 14 points off of just sheer putbacks and free throws. Uh, also, like Anthony Edwards, uh, over 24 and a half points. He hasn't played consistent in the past week due to, you know, the illness that we spoke of. And for the first time, he's not on the injury report, so that means he's pretty much back healthy. Uh, he had 37 last meet, last uh, outing. I think he has pretty much a repeat performance. Uh, I guess the next defense has allowed two 30-point bars to score um, at, at ease um, in the last three outings. All right, let's get one more game in before we move on to part two. We have the Boston Celtics going to play the Philadelphia 76ers on national television. Philadelphia opened up as a one-point favorite. They are now a two-point favorite. 227.5 is the total. That's come down five points from 232.5. Injury report for these two teams. And we have for the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown is questionable. Robert Williams is out. Uh, Al Horford is not on the injury report. And for the 76ers, they are clean. Everybody's going to play. Scott, over to you. 76ers of Boston. So I think the Celtics are clearly the better team. The question is, are the Sixers playing for anything right now? It feels like they're fully stuck into the three. Can we agree they're not going to catch Milwaukee or Boston? Yeah. So is Philly going to take any of these games seriously besides potentially stat padding Embiid's MVP candidacy. But even with that being the case, they want to keep Embiid healthy. Mm-hmm. I know usually when you just have a, an immediate rematch and one team does perform well, uh, you usually lean to the other side. But once again, I have to question Philly's motivation. Boston's clearly trying to get a one seed and they have some life there. I think that they can potentially catch Milwaukee since they beat them by 40 last week. I'm going to lean Boston. Now, the injury report isn't fully clean for the Celtics. There are some rumors that I believe it was Jalen Brown who might not play in this game. So just keep an eye on that. But Boston has done very well against Philly this season. Philly, despite being fully healthy, once again, I'm not sure if they fully care about this game. Uh, because I really haven't been impressed by the current form that they're in since it looks like they're kind of playing out the string with not much to actually, you know, gain with any of these games because I don't think they're, they're going to catch Boston or Milwaukee. I'm going to lean Boston. I'm not sure Philly cares enough for me to back them as a dog here. Boston's on an upswing now. They're a very streaky team, but when they're right, they're arguably the best team in the league. I'm going to lean Boston here. Lance. Yeah, I like Philly. Um, similar to to what you said, Scott, I think that without Robert Williams in the lineup, because he, he's out, right? Right, real? Yeah, he's not he is out. Yeah, so they're a completely different team without him in the lineup. Embiid should be able to feast here. 
Um, Boston's played a soft schedule outside of the books uh, in the past week. Um, they also dominated Philly. They won and covered in four straight. Uh, they've also won three of the last five uh, games covering four of the last five, won four of the last five covering three of those in general. Um, but Philly's played a really tough seven or eight game stretch, some of it with players, you know, in and out of the lineup. They've only had one decent offensive performance in the last four meetings uh, against Boston. So I think they'll be motivated to play well against a division rival. Uh, it's always good to, you know, get a win over over a division rival like Boston. So I think they'll be pretty motivated here. Um, I do worry about Boston's defense without, without Robert Williams. That's the main thing. And I'm kind of worried about Harden's injury also. But Maxie will pick up the load here. So I like Philly at home with 25-14 ATS at home. Uh, 33-21 as a favorite. If fully healthy, I think Boston would probably be like a one-and-a-half, two-point favorite, to be honest. So I think Philly comes out. I think they dominate on the interior. I think Embiid has a pretty big night. He could go for 35-15, and 35-16. So I like Philly a lot here uh, in a big division game for him. I realize that I misspoke before. For some reason, I thought they played recently. They did not. That was about a month ago. But the Celtics are 3-0 straight up, if that matters. Yep, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll make this super quick and handicap the entire game in like less than 60 seconds. Philly, lower bets, higher dollars, 73% of bets Boston, 57% of the money on Philly, line movement in their favor. Philly minus two is the play. Slower pace, One of the slowest paced offenses in the game. They're going to continue to play slow pace. Joel Embiid is going for 40. So under 227 and a half, Joe Embiid, 40-plus points, plus 340. Tyrese Maxey, uh, ladder is threes. Tyrese Maxey at home has a big game coming off of the bench for Philly. They get the win and the cover. That's it. All right, what do y'all like for the rest of the game? <laughs> uh, Harden double-double potentially. I, I don't like his points because I think Harden's look bad. Then again, he did go over against Toronto, but I'm still not sold on Harden's current form. I do think at the end of the day, Harden, if you do like Embiid to have a big game anyway, but you maybe want a bit of insurance there, Harden's going to set him up the entire game. So if you want to go for a potential double-double option, Harden assists, I think, is worth a look. Besides that, if Brown doesn't play, do you automatically just take Tatum because he's going to shoot the ball so much? Like, Tatum's going to uh, yeah. chuck it. Yeah, Tatum's going to get his regardless. But I'm saying even if that is true, if Brown's out, we know Tatum's going to get even more usage so I maybe would consider Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Two props I love. Maxi over 20 and a half. He's over in eight of the last nine. He's been efficient in all spots of the floor. Um, he had 14 points combined in the two meetings this season. Boston is a little more prone to giving up mid-range jumpers. They're 29th and long mid-range jumpers. And, you know, that's where Maxi likes to operate off the pick and roll. I think the guys in the chat and also Scott spoke on Harden under 19 and a half points. If you like anything with Harden, I would pivot to his assist. Uh, the Achilles injury is probably a bigger deal than what's being reported. Eye test wise, I mean, you can pretty much see he doesn't have any burst of what little he did have left. Yeah. Um, he's been a lot more prone to like setting up teammates and you know settling for jumpers. Basically, to put it in perspective, with Harden, he's only made he's only been to the uh, free throw line over five times twice in the last eight games. And he's also under this point total in seven of the last nine games. So Celtics on-ball defense pretty much will turn him into a, a distributor rather than a scorer. So if you play like anything with Harden, I like under 19 and a half, over 
ten and a half assists. You can get plus money on the ten and a half assists also. All right. That is it for part one of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Audio version, you know, slide over to part two. YouTube will be right here. And go to part two. Basketball.